did a smudge here when Robbie came on. We have some thanks to give. So uh, I'm going to step up uh, and honor my friend uh, Robbie. And it's always important to uh, touch base with the creator when, you, when we're doing what we're doing. That's the sound of Eugene Arcon, a Cree leader from the Muskeg Lake First Nation in Saskatchewan. He's the survivor of two Indian residential schools, and he's appearing at the start of an online virtual talk together with his friend, 90-year-old Robbie Waisman of Vancouver, a Jewish child survivor of the Holocaust. The pair are both featured in a powerful art exhibit on display at several galleries in Saskatchewan this summer. The exhibit has 18 portraits, and that's no accident, nine Holocaust survivors and nine Indian residential school survivors. And of course, 18 is for life. The artist who painted them is Jewish herself. And she got the idea after hearing Nate Leipziger, a Toronto survivor, speak several years ago at her synagogue in Saskatoon. Now she hopes people who see the art show will be moved to learn more about both genocides and what Jewish people can do to help residential school survivors heal. This isn't an Indigenous problem. This is a problem for all of us to solve. And it's going to take, first of all, us accepting the facts of the situation, the history that has happened, understanding, and then trying to take these recommended steps of reconciliation through the TRC Commission's calls to try and and heal some of these relationships. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Monday, June 21st, 2021. Monday, June 21st is Canada's National Indigenous Peoples Day. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Robbie Waisman is a well-known Holocaust speaker. When he was 11 in Poland, he was forced to work in a munitions factory. At age 14, he was sent to Buchenwald, and he was in the same group of teens as Elie Wiesel. Eugene Arcon was forced to attend Indian residential schools in Saskatchewan for 11 years. Now he's an official with Canada's Truth and Reconciliation Commission and also speaks widely about his experiences. For a few years now, they've joined forces and they speak together at schools and various events. They had to do the art show launch in Prince Albert virtually because of the pandemic. So it would be wonderful to have another occasion where we can meet and give each other a hug. Like they say in Yiddish, Abigizint. Coming up, we'll meet the artist who created this portrait show. But first, here's what's making news in Canada right now. The Canadian Labour Congress has voted to pursue several policies that involve human rights in Israel. The CLC has over 3 million members. They adopted the measures at the annual convention on Friday. The measures include banning the importation of products from settlements built on disputed West Bank land, divestment from Israeli military and security companies, and calling on Canada to halt arms sales to Israel. For Pride Week, Canadian Jews who identify as LGBTQ and two-spirited are being invited to share short personal video messages about their experiences. The Centre for Israel and Jewish Affairs, or CJA, wants to hear about what inclusion means, what they're celebrating as a queer or trans Jew this Pride. Even rabbis and cantors are being invited to share some teachings, while allies are asked to tell about someone they love or admire who is queer. Sija will put all of these together into a Pride Unity video. The deadline to submit is June 30th. Artist Carol Wiley says she was inspired by Robbie Waisman's view that it's his sacred duty and responsibility to help Canada's residential school survivors. Carol joins me now from her studio in Saskatoon. 
what gave you the idea to actually begin this journey? So it began with Holocaust survivors and thinking about what what way can I help to keep this these memories alive and and tangible and real for people as the years go by. And then there was a series of things that happened after that. I took some indigenous training at um, my workplace, which at that time was the Mendel Art Gallery, now has become Remy Modern, where they mentioned that the the Duncan Campbell Scott, who set up, was sort of intrinsic in setting up the first residential schools, called it the final solution. And I like, I almost fell off my chair when I heard that, because this is long before Hitler ever used that expression for the Jewish problem. And uh, so that was the first sort of connection that was made in my brain. And then I went to um, a community Passover Seder. We have very progressive rabbi here, and he always sets up a table that that recognizes the LGBTQ community, or in this case, this year, it was the indigenous community and remembering our indigenous brothers and sisters and what they've been through. And then, so that happened too. And so I started to look up things online and found these examples of Robbie Wiseman meeting with residential school survivors and traveling and speaking about how he's talking about ways that he dealt with his trauma and moved on from that and how he could be helpful in passing on some of that information and and talking about how you heal generational trauma. And these connections just became so strong. And I realized that I live in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan is a hotbed for residential schools. We have a really fraught history here around the residential school system. Our last one closed in 1996. That's how recent this is. So as a white settler in this part of the country, I thought, you know, it really makes sense to me to connect these two groups of people, not to compare the the um, experiences, but to understand how on an individual basis, we all feel pain the same way. We all experience trauma the same way. It doesn't matter specifically what the, the, the oppression is or who's doing the oppressing, that as an individual person, we're going to feel the same things and making that connection so that people can try to understand that you know, on a bone deep level, we are the same. And in light of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission calls to action, thinking of this is maybe a small step that I can take towards reconciliation in the place where I live. So, you know, your your exhibition has, has got national attention. The CBC did a beautiful piece about it, um, showing the interweaving as the survivors of the Holocaust met with the survivors of the residential schools. Um, how do you deal with that emotion when you see them sharing in a public setting? How was that watching that? I, that's why I, whatever emotion might be involved in it, and it's always emotional. I mean, you're dealing with horrible memories that people are dredging up again in order to, to make sure that people are educated about what happened. So they're doing it for such a selfless reason, uh, reliving these experiences. So it's always emotional, but, but, to me, I'm always happy when the word is getting out to maybe new people who haven't heard this before or don't know this. It's surprising to me living in the art world where it's our job to be watching artists who are making work about the most current issues and issues of all sorts from all kinds of marginalized groups that there are people outside of that world that don't even know about this. You know, oh, I hadn't heard about that. 215 kids found in Kamloops. I hadn't heard about these things in the residential schools. And there, there are a lot of people like that. So anytime that this can be raised to a, a point where people are become are made aware, if they're previously unaware, it's a really positive thing. 
How did you pick the people to take their portraits of? I actually didn't pick them so much as put the word out and hope that people would be willing to participate. My brother was very helpful because he lives in Toronto. So he found some people in Toronto through his synagogue and just, you know, people he knew, their parents or their grandparents, that I went out and had a visit with him and, and uh, was able to visit with, uh, I think, three or four Holocaust survivors there and chat with them and get photographs. And um, then Kayla, of course, here in Saskatoon. And then there were some um, that came through to speak in Saskatoon. I was able to get a chance to meet with them and sit down with them. And, and, and then there were four um, that I found that were uh, being counseled at a, a center for Jewish people in Edmonton. And um, they specialize in, in treating Holocaust survivors. So that people were just really helpful. And I did wonder because I, I didn't know any residential school survivors when I started this project. But between talking to people about it, they would introduce me to someone and say, oh, hey, you know, Carol's doing this project. Would you be interested? And they would. And then they'd recommend somebody else. And, and all of the residential school survivors are from Saskatoon and area. So, there, I mean, there are a lot of residential school survivors in this part of the country. So it was just sort of a word of mouth. And, and most people just said yes when they heard what the project was about. And it's not without its fraughtness. There's a, a, a history and um, a really dark part of art history uh, that involves non-Indigenous artists using the images of Indigenous people in an exploitive way. Um, and so uh, there have been some naysayers in the art world thinking that's something I probably shouldn't have done because I'm not Indigenous. And um, without exception, all of the residential school survivors say, no, no, we, we're really happy to be part of this project. We're really happy you're raising the volume of our voices and our stories. Talk to me about how the Jewish um, uh, community angle uh, informs this project. Yeah, I mean, of course, as Jews, we know that that we're often the target of of um, discrimination, um, even though we're not in the same sort of marginalized place that we might have been sort of post Second World War when nobody wanted the Jews at all. Um, still, we, we are the target of discrimination the, the same way that Indigenous people are the target of discrimination. And I think that we, with our history, should have a deep understanding of what that feels like um, to, to have to be part of a community that 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 the world at one point in time wanted to completely eliminate, um, our, and and the fact that our culture survives, that you know, our, the Hebrew language survives, that you still have kids raised and and having bar and bat mitzvahs and and learning to read Hebrew and celebrating the holidays, regardless of how religious or non-religious they are. There's something about the Jewish culture that has, despite everything, survived. And I think that, that the connection between a, 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 the Jewish population and the Jewish community and the indigenous community that is maybe at a place where they are struggling to, to refine some of those things, to, to learn, go back to their original language, learn original languages, learn uh, spiritual practices and start to, to move towards them and raising their children within those kinds of practices again, is really kind of parallel, only a different time in history to what, what um, the Jews did. After everything, after we were sort of decimated by what happened in in uh, the Holocaust, that um, those cultural practices we understand the importance of those cultural practices in the survival of the Jewish community, and I think that's something that the Indigenous community is really beginning to understand how important those cultural practices are to their survival as well. Mm -hmm. 
You might recognize some of the Jewish portraits in the show. The late Bill Gleed of Toronto is one of them, and Martin Baranek, also from Toronto, has accompanied participants on the March of the Living Trips. Robbie Weisman has just written his memoirs in a book. It's called The Boy from Buchenwald, and it just came out May 11th. We'll be speaking with him later this month for a future episode. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. If you like the podcast, you can get it sent to your email inbox several times a week. Just subscribe to the CJN newsletter. And you can also get it by going to the Purple Apple Podcast app on your iPhone and searching for us, the CJN Daily. Or just listen directly on the cjn.ca website. And we'll close this episode with a sneak peek from our next show, birthday party for Canada's oldest resident. She's Jewish, she's 114, and she's Cecile Klein of Montreal. Is this Klein the oldest resident or the oldest person in Canada?